And welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself, Joe, and Paul as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's mixed up and crazy world. And today let's talk about some mayhem, some mass mayhem. Let's talk about the mass. <laughs> this is Why Do Catholics Do That? Part three. You know, so we've had two where we talked about various things like can Catholics get tattoos or whether Catholics can curse. But I think there's a lot of questions out there about the mass. What is the mass? How do you make the mass not boring? You know, how do you get something out of the mass? What is some of the details about the mass? Because there's a lot of different uh, details that if someone just walked in off the street, they may say, well, why do Catholics, you know, make the three sign of the crosses, the gospel, and what does the word mass come from and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to dive into some of those questions and maybe some questions that you guys have, and let's see if you can answer these tough questions. Some of your theological knowledge, Paul. What? Your eight years of CCD. I didn't have CCD. I was in Catholic. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're Ooh, sorry. Twelve years. I did CYO for two years of confirmation prep because I went to public high school. All I know about CYO is a basketball league. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming you didn't play that. I learned everything that I know. Five two. Thanks. <laughs> sorry, five five, five and five. a quarter and a quarter <laughs> and a quarter. Yeah. No, uh, Bugsy Bogues was only five three and played in the NBA. I think ninety five percent of what of what I know about the faith occurred subsequent to high school. Yeah, it's probably. Most people, except for Joe, because he Joe had my confirmation class. Ninety-seven percent of what I know came after high school. Is what you're saying? Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, <That's> kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. Father Joe was a great teacher way back when. Way back when. See prior episodes. See prior. See, for, episodes. Yes. See for reference for prior episodes. <laughs> please do. Please do. So let's talk about the mass. So first of all, the word mass. Uh, what does that mean? Where does it come from? Do you know? Well, it comes from the dismissal in Latin, right? Ite misa est. Right. Yeah. So what does that mean? Misa. Go therefore it is finished, right? It sounds like a Jar Jar Binks thing. Misa is. It does. It does. Yeah, it, goes, it means go therefore it is finished, right? So go. Like mass is the idea of being sent, right? Right. Like a missionary or other words that come from that mission. You know, yeah. Be sent. Exactly. So the whole point of it. Have you ever thought it ironic, though, that the very end of mass is, thanks be to God, it's over? Always, that's a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're laughing. <laughs> Insert laugh track. <laughs> I always thought that was humorous. Please, like, producer, please. Mass is over. Thanks be to God. It's particularly humorous at the end of the Easter vigil when we're actually meet it that way sometimes. Oh. <laughs> you know? How long? Depends we, on how many readings. I did all nine at my Easter vigil. Yeah, we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that. Come on, get hardcore. No. Well, I'm, I don't choose. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I wasn't going to say, hey, Father, you know, you really should be doing more reading. Go big or go home. There is a certain point you reach in the Easter vigil, you almost forget what you're doing, you know? It's like after the after confirmations and all the uh, sacraments of initiation, there was a moment where you're like, wait, why am I here again? It's been so long, I almost forgot like what brought me here, you know? That's, that's how I experienced it this year. Oh, see, so yeah. I all of a sudden, I was like, I almost like woke up. I was like, wait, where did I, how did I get here? <laughs> I didn't I didn't have any sacraments of initiation. Oh, and that so. takes out like a full 45 minutes right. yeah. out of the ceremony. So, yes. you know. They don't do that at the Basilica either. Yeah, I know. We had, we, had, we had people being baptized, received as such, confirmed, everything available. That's exciting when you have adults being baptized. And kids. Did kids too? Nice. Yeah, family, family, one family. Yeah, that's really wonderful. A couple, yeah, good, good man. Where, where they, where they, where they come from? I mean, like, what, what was their background? Do you know? I have no idea. Oh, okay, that's far above my pay grade. I, was, I was just there. To, I was there to hold the thurible. <laughs> I would have been asking him questions. How'd you convert? Yeah, I should have interrupted Father Corey's homily to do so, but yes, well, it's hard to do that. Father Corey's homilies are about a minute and a half. It's actually Father Harry, although I should say Father Corey's Good Friday homily went on for like twenty minutes. Whoa, yeah. he was trying to give everyone penance in the church. I felt sanctified by it. <laughs> It was, so, it was a good homily. It was a good homily. So back to the Eucharist and Father Corey. I hope you did not listen to this. <laughs> I love Father Corey. I should say Father Corey it was a good homily. What's up with the Eucharistic fast? What is the what are the rules? Because a lot of people ask me that question. One hour before you receive. So is that true? It used to be three. So it used to be all day. Well, it used to be since midnight. It used to be all day. 
and then it was three, yeah. and then it was one. And then it kind of went away for like 30 years after, and you know, from the 60s on for a little while. I don't think it ever officially went. No, no, no. I mean, like, it was, you know, went the way of. Okay, what's the real rule? Yeah. You're correct. An hour before you receive Holy Communion. But what if you go to a mass that's like two hours long? Can you, like, eat up to the first reading? So you're saying I could have brought a snack to the vigil? You could have. Just kidding. Don't really do that. (laughs) No, but what's the purpose of the Eucharistic fast? I mean, I think it makes. It makes, well, I, I don't know what the actual answer is, but like for me, it makes the whole act of going to mass more intentional, right? Because it's not just, I can't just decide to go to mass on a whim. It's like, all right, well, I had to decide an hour ago. Like it means I'm preparing my body for it. I'm also preparing my mind for it. Mm. You know, that's at least part of it. I don't know what the actual reason is, but that's how I experience it. Like preparing your body. Yeah. I think it's to make it clear to our mouth that what we're receiving is not just another snack. Mm. You know, this is truly the flesh and blood of Christ. So does gum break the Eucharistic fast? You once told me it did. So I assume so. I think the in the catechism or the canon law, or whatever it is, says it's water and necessary medicine. Yes, agreed. Water and so gum medicine. is not necessary medicine or water. Correct. Correct. That is it. Yep. That is the Eucharistic fast. Make sure you do it. Definitely. Don't be chewing gum in mass. It's something that drives me crazy. I see a lot of people do that, especially young people. Or be walking with your coffee. Right. Yes. I've seen a lot of coffee. Yeah, I've seen a lot of coffee in mass. Yeah. Well, coffee some, has calories, by the way. It's not just water. Really? Like if it's black coffee? Yeah, it has like oh. three or four calories. It's got a little oil. Three or four Oh, that's calories. true. Yeah, the oil, <laughs> oil and the caffeine and all that. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but you know, during the mass, do you ever notice that the priest says a bunch of like private prayers mm. to himself? Secret, secrets. Yeah. Do you know what they are? Prayers. Um, one of them, <laughs> one of them is when the altar server pours water over his hands and he says uh, something like, Lord, wash me, wash away my iniquities and cleanse me of all my sins. Yes. That actually has a really interesting backstory of why they do that. Because so in the early church, if you're taking up the collection, what is it? It's not money. It's bread and olives and chickens and like whatever you're actually offering. And oftentimes a lot of food items, things that are messy and dirty. And so the priest is receiving these at the altar and he's like, I got to wash my hands after that. And a lot of the things that the priests do is it started out very practical and became very symbolic. Like even what the priest wears, uh, you know, the alb was just simply the toga that people would have worn in the first century. Hmm. Not toga, tunic. Yeah. Tunic. Tunic, yeah. yeah, the toga. Toga is like, toga's the Greek, thing. Like, uh, like college Greek fairs, they wear togas. Yeah, but no, the Rus- uh, Romans wear togas too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, okay, so that's one of the, the private prayers. When else does the priest say a private prayer? Um, when he or the deacon mixes the water and wine, I don't remember the full prayer. Yes, when he mixes the water and the wine. He says something like, um, by the mystery of the, of the mingling of this water and wine, something, 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 something. May we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. There you go. And that one's pretty rich because just like, like once you put water and wine together, you can't take them out. They're mixed together forever. So in the same way, like Christ's humanity and divinity cannot be separated. Yeah. That, yeah. They're together forever. So you're, you're good at this, Paul. Do you then know there's other prayer. Well, were, I don't know. You I were, knew that. Yeah, you I were <laughs> no, I knew the Lord wash my iniquities. So, I knew also, that there are there. I know yeah. where the prayers are, and, but I cannot, I cannot tell you exactly what they what are. What is the official blessing the priest gives the deacon for proclaiming the gospel? Yes. The priest says to the deacon, he says, may the Lord be in your heart and on your lips that you may proclaim his holy gospel worthily and well. Mm. But what does a priest say then when they they say something similar, right? He does say something similar. He says, cleanse my heart and my lips, almighty God, that I may worthily proclaim your holy gospel. And I just opened my Roman Missal to read that from there. (laughs) But it was so seamless. Nobody would have known otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have (laughs) revealed my secrets. And actually when a priest kisses the gospel, he also says, may the words of this gospel wipe 
through the words of this gospel, may our sins be wiped away. Hmm. Right. Now, now, what's going on um, during the Agnus Dei? Because the priest is doing all kinds of stuff that nobody realizes. That's he's true. Genuflecting, he's genuflecting, he's, he's moving things around. Walk us through that a little bit, Father. He's not saying the Agnus Dei. Not saying that's the specifically for the people to say. That's because he's busy waving all of his friends at the back for the, for the sign of peace, right? <laughs> Flashing <laughs> peace signs and whatnot. I, Wait, so the priest doesn't say the Agnus Dei at all? I mean, he can, but it's, yeah. Because, you know, like sometimes you'll read something no, and the, then the, the, or you'll say it privately while the congregation is. In, in the ritual, it says, uh, meanwhile, the following is said or sung, not by the priest, just it's said or sung. Mm. So. Yeah, actually, so there's a couple of things that's going on right there where the priest is saying something. So he takes the host, he breaks it, and he says something. The fractal right, right? Fra- yeah, the fractioning right. And he says, may the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us to receive it. And that actually has a really interesting backstory too, because back in the early church, dioceses were really small. Like, it's, it's really interesting to me to go to Assisi, mm-hmm. because you can see Perugia. Perugia, yeah. And Perugia is a separate diocese. So you can stand in the sea of wow. one diocese and see the head of the other diocese. And that's like pretty mind boggling when you live in America and like the entire state of Wyoming is one diocese. Right. You know, but, but in those days, if you had like, maybe there were just like 20 churches or 13 churches in your diocese at, at the Bishop's mass, he would fracture the Eucharist and the deacons would take a particle of the Bishop's host and bring it to all the other masses that were being celebrated so that the pastor could put it in to kind of show that unity with the Bishop. So that's how that came from. Mm-hmm. But now with the words, you know, may the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, it wants to make clear that if you receive the body, you also receive the blood. And if you receive the blood, you also receive the body. Mm. That's because he, the, the priest fractures the host and then puts part or both halves in the precious blood. Just part of one half, yeah. But that's why. So, so he's actually uniting. Because I was thinking, why would the unity be stressed when he's fracturing the host? It's because he's uniting the body with the blood. Right. Obviously, they're fully present in both species, but he's uniting the two species of them. Yeah, gotcha. But before that, though, before the before the the canon, before the consecration, Eucharistic prayer, there's other prayers too. So after the blessed be God of all creation for us, we have this wine to offer, and then after that, there's like this, and then there's a bow. I'm doing right. it, which no one can see. But <laughs> it looked it looked great, though. Let me just thank say. you. Actually, and it looked then, a little then, Buddhist, to be honest. But okay, well, I'm not a priest, as it turns out, or a Buddhist. Or Buddhist, as far as I know. As far as I know. A closet Buddhist. <laughs> a closet unconscious Buddhist. Wow. This is the worst type. It goes, it goes <laughs> Everywhere. It, goes, it, goes it must be systemic. It goes deep. Really yeah, deep. no, he does say something. He says, with humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord. May our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. Okay. So it's really kind of recognizing that this is a sacrifice. Let me ask a question, Father. Why is it important that these prayers be said silently or so to voce and not loud enough for the congregation to hear? Because some priests I have seen will say every one of these loud enough for people to hear. Yeah. A big reason is because these, many of these are for the priest's private devotions. Mm. They're for the priest. They're not for the people. So the priest needs to make clear when he's speaking on behalf of the people, when he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, and when he's speaking on behalf of himself. So then question. So for those of us who occasionally attend the Latin Mass, um, most of the mass that the priest says is private. Yes. That's uh, for a different reason. Why is that? That's because nobody could understand Latin. So they just said it. That's, isn't that only in a low mass or am I not? Am I no, high mass too. High mass too, yeah. Know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ultimately that really is because, well, for two reasons. One one is that the church wanted to make it clear that that the sacrifice 
was valid when a priest offered it. It didn't have like the people didn't have to participate. So even if one priest offered the sacrifice, it was still a valid mass. Mm-hmm. Unlike you know our Protestant brothers and sisters who believe really this just kind of it's the congregation that offers the praise to God, not just the priest. They wanted kind of church kind of wanted to say no, actually it really is just the priest offering the sacrifice. Could you say in Novo Sordo? Can you say the Eucharistic prayer in a low voice, or do you have to say it so that it can be heard? Um, actually, it says very clearly. The only the only specific directions is given when you have to when you say the um, the words of institution. Have to be audible, right? And it says not just audible, but but clear and, and crisp. Wow, that's so different than Latin Mass because that's also says, quiet. Yes, yeah, says quote in the formulas that follow, the words of the Lord should be pronounced clearly and distinctly as the nature of these words require. But that makes sense to me because it should be crisp because these words are affecting ma- are affecting you know matter. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, you don't want to slur it, or right? Because then it gets in question mumble. of validity, right? Crisp, like slow down and enunciate, right? I like that. So that's why, and and yeah, you you make it very known to everyone in the church that this, these are special words. This is my body. It shouldn't just be like this is my body. Trying to think. The only in the Latin Mass, the only part of the canon that's slightly audible is us for us sinners, or something like that. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess then he's speaking on behalf of all the people. Yeah, I think so. And it's only slightly. It actually says it in the missal. It says slightly audible. Hmm. And so, like, if you're at a Latin mass, you might hear. Hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's all you hear. And you it's like, okay, now I know where That's I am. And I gotta flip to the right page because I'm behind, you know, like, or I'm ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting in the Latin mass. Often the priest will begin. Like he'll begin the Gloria, Gloria in excelsis Deo, and then say it, and then he'll say the rest, and the choir will just go nuts. They'll start, you know, singing this beautiful long hymn and everything, mm. and the priest finished, and he just stands there or sits, or sits. Sometimes he sits if it's really long. Yep, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, the choir has a, a very outsized role in the traditional Latin mass. Hmm. Yeah, it, but it's or, a high mass, or or not. Yes, but it but it's never in sync. Like the Kyrie, when they sing the Kyrie, it could be five minutes long. It's nowhere near where the priest has already said it. How could a six-word song be five minutes long? Oh, you'd be surprised. Well, they say it. I well, they shocked. say they say <laughs> no. They say they say each one three times. So it's actually nine. Lord. It's nine lines. Yeah. Wow. Nevertheless. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it's amazing how long they can hold out that e on Kyrie. Or or how Kyrie. many in the Agnus Dei? How many Dona Nobis Pachams you could possibly have? You need at least thirty-five. A minimum. minimum. <laughs> why would you? Why do you need more than one Dona Nobis Pachum? Because uh, we really want that piece. Because it was written by Mozart, Grand and that's the way it is. They were paid by the note. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. I don't know. It should be. It's not like newspapers paid by the word or lawyers. Lawyers are paid by the word. Yeah, cease and desist, null and void. They mean the same paid, thing. Paid by the minute. Oh, that's true. Or by the by the hour. Well, I'd I'd heard that that's why Charles Dickens's novels were so long. Yeah, it was by paid the word. by the word. It was in serial. Meaning it was like a chapter <laughs> would be issued every. Is that, week. Why, is that why some priest homilies were so long? Do you get paid by the minute, by the minute or by the word? No comment. <laughs> I find that your homilies are always appropriate in length. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, now that I've begun, by the way, this shameless plug, you can find my podcast at homilies on aflameforchrist.podbean.com. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. On Spotify. Oh, really? Yeah, all my, all my homilies are online now. Is that on Apple Podcasts? No. Put us on Google Play and all that, and Spotify and all that stuff. But... Uh, but now that I'm now that I'm I'm taping my homilies or taping that's like a 1990. Taping. Word. That's good. <laughs> now that I'm recording recording my homilies. Will you mail me the cassette. I will. <laughs> it's a track. player. There were between like six and eight minutes, and I was like, wow, I thought I thought I went too long. I thought it was like a 12, 15 minute, but no, it's shorter. But you, your delivery is different into a microphone privately than with a congregation for sure. Probably that's probably in person. Maybe. No, no. Oh, Baby's so you crying. you don't. Oh, so this isn't recorded. No. Live. No, I record it just privately and. Oh, okay. Okay. Post it. Yeah. 
So we don't get, there's no laugh track on it in case you say you're. There's no laugh track on it. There's no laugh track. (laughs) Do you sub in baby voice crying? I haven't heard any yet, but I've been listening, but you should do that. (laughs) Have somebody crying in the background, you know? I I surprisingly don't hear that. It never bothers me. Yeah. Priests always say that they don't even notice it. Some priests, some priests do. I've never noticed it. You get a look. I don't know. Anyway, there's there's one more private prayer, and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, but that's um, right body, before mighty body and blessed bread of Christ bring us to everlasting life. Oh, that's yeah, that's one. That's kind that, of, could, that could be. I've heard a lot of priests say that out loud, though. Yeah, yeah. me too. But it says says quietly. Hmm. Those priests, yeah. The other, um, the other one is right before receiving Holy Communion, he prays, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, through your death gave life to the world. Free me by this, your most holy body and blood, from all my sins and from every evil, and keep me always faithful to your commandments, and never let me be parted from you. When is that story? I actually have heard a priest say that one out loud. Right before receiving Holy Communion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's so a very... For the priest, Holy Communion. Yeah, yeah, for the priest. And so it's a very private prayer for the priest to... Oh, okay. That's why you see some priests like bend down for a while. Yes. And then right he genuflects right after that. Right. Ah, okay. And then and then receives the blood? Right, the blood. That's right before... The, that's right before the behold the Lamb of God. Oh, that's right before the... Ah, yeah. uh, right. Okay. Yep, yeah. Got it. So now you know why priests mumble a lot while the Lamb of God is going on. He has a lot of prayers to say. Right. Right, and, right, uh, right. But that's a, that's a rich moment of just but, being with the Lord. <clears throat> yeah. A concelebrating priest never says any of these prayers, right? Um, it's always, is always the main celebrant who most, always says them? Most concelebrating priests will say the prayer right before receiving Holy Communion. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because it's, it's you know our personal right. worship of the Lord. What What is required? Now another question for you. We could pro- probably should move on. But what <laughs> no. what does the concelebrating priest have to say to be like for his, to, to make it qualify for like his mass of the day? So to speak. So a lot of people don't realize this. Priests are not required to say mass every day. Right. They're not required to, but they're encouraged. They're encouraged, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what does he have to say? I mean, typically they say the words institution, I mean, or if the whole Eucharistic prayer, they know yeah, it. Yeah, because they go like, yeah. This. If you know it, but if, but for example, if I'm celebrating, you know, con celebrating a mass with Pope John Paul II, hmm. which is not possible because he's dead. But he's present at every Mass. I'm, well, that's true. Heroes, the yeah. communion of saints. Yeah. But if I'm, you know, if I'm celebrating with Pope Francis and I don't know Latin or Italian or whatever language he's speaking in, I would just simply hold out my hand and, and, and it make kind of a, a just a general intention of con celebrating with him. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's not really strict, hard and fast rules mm-hmm. of that. Right. Right. So let's talk about bread and wine. Can we use uh, cinnamon bread? Why, why not? That's in the spirit of the council. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow! I believe there are restrictions on what it can contain, right? Yes. Yeah. Like wheat and Such water. Wheat and water should be it, and that's it. Should be it. Yes. Unleaded. What happens? The, what happens if I've had leavened bread? Leavened bread is valid but not licit. Which means I'm fascinating. That, I did not know that. Yes, there was one time. <laughs> now this is down in Baltimore, so you'll have to excuse it. But there was one time I was I was hiking, and I was a seminarian. I was hiking with a priest, and we got to the top of this mountain. I was leading this group of boys up up this mountain. We get to the top, and we're like, "We're gonna have mass. It's great." He's like, "Did you bring the host? No. Did you bring the host? No. Shoot." It's like 20 miles back to our campsite, and I'm like, "Oh man, it's not good." So he's like, "I'll take care of it." He starts running down the trail. He comes up with this. He comes up with this family that's coming up, and he says, "Do you guys have any bread?" They're like, actually, we're going to make sandwiches up top. We have a whole loaf of Wonder Bread. Oh, there you go. And oh, no. <laughs> so he took it and he used it as as Eucharist. What about a tortilla no. that only has no, 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 wheat no. and water? Tortilla. I think it's unleavened. It's, valid. it's got no yeast. Well, the leavening doesn't matter. Oh, the leavening doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Well, you said it's, it's not licit. 
Not listed, which means it's 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 still oh, valid. But, but like one bread is gonna have enriched and a lot of other junk in it. No, no, no. That's but that's I think still valid. It's still is valid as long as it's. Yeah, it's I think we're additives. brushing past the illicit thing too quickly. It's it's not okay. It's still no. It's not okay. abuse. It's no, no. But that's a serious abuse. question. Like if you're using bread that's enriched with niacin and riboflavin and this and that and the other thing, like those aren't naturally occurring. What does the missile say about riboflavin, Father? Can you <laughs> turn to that <laughs> section. You know what I mean? like, like Wonder Bread is enriched with calcium and, and vitamin and B vitamins and all that kind of stuff. Is it bad that I choose whole wheat hosts because they're healthier than white hosts? I'm assuming that's a joke. No, I'm not. It's oh, not you a joke. Really? I have, no, you really do. Yeah. What about gluten-free hosts? They always have. They always have a tiny bit of. Gluten. Right. They're never gluten-free. It's 0.0001%. Super low gluten. Right. But it has to have gluten to be bread. Mm-hmm. So, basically, it's it should be wheat bread with no additives. How many additives are allowed? I yeah. I don't know. I'll let the church decide on that one. But that's nice of you. <laughs> There's a pastor in our diocese who was telling me this story about, you know, it became very customary in the 70s for people to bake their own bread for communion. And so the one time he was celebrating Mass with this home-baked loaf of bread, it was, I guess it was unleavened, I don't know. And he gets to the fracturing right and he fractures it and it starts flowing out of the middle because it wasn't baked all the way. Oh. So they actually put Jesus back in the oven and took him back. <laughs> well, if it's not, br- it has to be bread though. Like yeah. uncooked bread is not bread isn't it? Ooh. Uncooked bread is is not it's bread. bread. It's dough. Oh, you have an interesting point there. So would yeah. the outside crust be Jesus, but not the inside gooey part? Oh, but, I mean, I, I, it's not it's not defined in canon law. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, the church fathers did not foresee this happening. I, think. I, I heard stories of um, the, the home-baked bread fiasco thing where there's raisins. The priest doesn't realize until he gets to the word institution, and then he has to pray silently in his mind, may most of this, or something like that. You know, like, it's like, all right, like, just maybe, knock out the raisins. I mean, oh my Lord. Maybe we can do this, this properly. This I don't makes know. me cry, and this is why people, like, turn to the traditional Latin mass. Right? Like, the this ones, kind of stuff is Yeah, nuts. right, because the Father by, tried by, using, using whole, you know, goldfish for the Eucharist. The hosts <laughs> that are made for the mass. Right. Exactly. And there you go. Not a problem. That's it. Just do it right. There's a couple just of companies right. in the United States that make them. A lot of people ask that. Who makes the bread? So who does? There's like a company Probably in Rhode nuns. Island or something. Or There's Cape. a company in Rhode Island that yeah. makes for like half the country. There's some nuns that make it too, but they're, they're, that unfortunately is dwindling. Mm. Less people are buying from the nuns. They're more expensive. But right. What about wine? What kind of wine can you use? Certain alcohol. You can use white or red. Yeah. You can. You can use rosé. It has to be grape wine. You can use rosé. It does have to be grape. Yes. And I actually had a really big debate with a priest in our diocese as to whether or not you have to have a, a minimum alcohol content. Do you? I don't think you do. I thought you did. He was arguing like, like six, 15 or sixteen Not percent. 15 and I was like, 16, like that's like really high. Wine. Yeah, and like the sacramental wine is only twelve point five percent. Yeah, I think I remember that. In, but the priest can get concession from the bishop to use like grape must, right? Yes. Growing up, my priest was Why, like uh, a struggled or something. Yeah. yeah, my priest struggled with alcohol. About that. He, used, he used mustum. So it's there's a thing in the missal though that specifies what happens if the priest suddenly realizes after consecrating the host that he actually is holding a chalice of water into which wine was never poured so which leads me to think there must be a minimum alcohol content huh i will say one time i was celebrating mass and i poured the wine and it had a different viscosity i was like what's going on here and the altar server had actually accidentally taken some of the oil of the sick and filled the cruet with it oh no and i mean i've caught that before the consecration but the reason he did that is because we had no more wine in the sacristy Oh, so I had to stop mass, go over to the rectory, find a bottle of wine, and come back and finish mass. And it took me a good 25 minutes, 30 minutes to find this bottle of wine. It was crazy. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> it's not too many. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. Whoa. That's wild. It was a St. Yeah. Mary's in Stanford. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the vestments. What colors can we use in the liturgy? Depends on the day. Right. And where you are in the world. Because some places have a special color. Do they really? Some allow blue, some don't, right? There's a special color, I think, for the ambrosian rite. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I believe I'm correct in saying Have you ever heard the ambrosian rite? I've never heard the ambrosian rite. No, but I think one of my minor life goals is to experience all the rites of the Catholic Church. That's a lot, because there's a lot of rites. It's like 27. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have to be be in Milan to experience the ambrosian rite, so... Yeah, there's a couple of rites. There's the Mozarabic rite, which is only in Toledo, Spain. I watched a YouTube video of the Cyril Malabar rite. This mm. was after I put in my two weeks notice at work, so I was effectively off the clock, you know? <laughs> and I didn't have much work to do, so I was watching. It's like two and a half hours long. It's beautiful. Holy cow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Awesome. That's that's Byzantine of some sort, right? No, it's it's actually in India. Oh, it's Malabar, in India. Or Malabar or but it's not in a, in a style that... I would recognize from either Byzantine or Roman. Or oh, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen a Byzantine right. It's okay. it's recognizable insofar as there's a priest with vestments that look familiar, and you get with a host. You can. I mean, you could tell. Obviously, it's Catholic. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's interesting. A lot of anyway. people, I think a lot of people listening may not realize that we have so many different rites yeah. within the Catholic Church. They think yeah. that, you know the way they, their little parish does it is the only way. But yeah, well, it's understandable, right? Because the Roman Catholic right is so big and so. Yeah, vast um, that yeah. all the other ones are small, like Ambrosian, right? It's only in like one diocese. It's, it's, in, it's, it's only in Milan. It's in Milan. Yeah. It's the only place you can do it. Oh, <laughs> le- like licitly, it's the only place you can do it. Yeah. There's no like church in the United States. Really. Nope. Nope. You can't do it outside oh, of Milan. I was in Milan. I should have gone. I didn't you should have gone. I didn't know about it. Yeah. At the time. Now I do. But um, the main colors, right? Green, red, purple, white, or gold. Yes. Blue would be the Rose. green color. Permissible in some cases. Rose. Thank you. And? Black, black, ah, black, black. We just actually favorite. had a uh, this year. We had a memorial mass for my um, my grandmother who passed away in 2020, and so the priest wore black. Good, good. I think it's a beautiful, fitting Very thing. Cool looking. What, what most priests wore white, right? For a funeral, yeah, yeah. Do you but, wear black? Uh, I purple don't have a black purple. vestment. I'm gonna hopefully get one soon. So instead, I use purple, which is allowed for for uh, funerals. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because white is a symbol of rejoicing. So unless I know the person's like lived a super virtuous holy life, I don't want to rejoice. Too soon, mm, mm. <laughs> but you know, purple is the color of repentance. So this is the perfect time to say, you know, let's, let's repent. Hmm. Interesting. Do we miss any colors, by the way? No, I think we got all of them. I don't think so. It's all the colors that, that there are, isn't there? What are not those all the colors that exist? Well, it's <laughs> like white and orange. gold. They're like orange and white and gold. Yeah. Are orange, yellow, right? yeah, white and gold. To some extent, yeah, yeah, they are. Blue, like for Marian feasts, will be kind of added to the white. Yeah, which is cool. I loved how Saint Saint John Vianney said that he made he had a vestment made with just like just barely enough of a strip of white to be considered a white vestment, but mostly blue because he loved Uh, Our Lady so much. hmm. Also, um, sometimes it looks almost silvery for Our Lady, which is really cool, like a silvery bluish situation. Yes, pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So if you do the optional memorial for a day, do you have to? Well, I guess that would be a feast day. I guess not. Never mind. I take that question. Yeah, like if you if it's a martyr's feast on like a Tuesday, you wear red. Yeah. yeah, although it's almost cool. I've almost never seen a priest like change the altar cloths to match. That's an awful lot of work. <laughs> Must be some churches they do. Yeah, so St. John's they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, there wasn't much. There wasn't much to change for, unless it was like big feast day. But in case. Yeah. So tell me, how many times can you receive Holy Communion in a day? Because I get asked this question a whole lot. More than once. It's twice. One has to be in the context of a mass. I believe. That's See, I was always under the impression that you can receive it twice, but both have to be masses. No, I, I could. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I've, I believe I've heard that it is. If you receive twice, at least one must be in the context of a mass. Okay, but that could be wrong. I don't know. My thinking is like if you go to some sort of, let's say, you receive communion because you're homebound or something like that, and then for some 
unforeseen circumstance, you end up you end up in a mass or whatever. It's like a second. The things like if you do it the second time, it has to be a mass. You can't just be taking communion like every hour because you want to. Yeah, you can't get in line and then just get back in line and circle around. That's an interesting thing though, because I've been in a situation in which a priest consecrated too many hosts and it'll just hand you like like ten. So yeah. receiving communion once. So it's one one person one sitting. Like you yes, know? and and that's the whole reason why the church has said. For a long time, only one per day, because people would kind of try to rack them up as if they're getting closer to Jesus by receiving 25 hosts instead of one. But yeah, when I was, it used to be very popular to have home masses. And some of my parents had our priest over for a home mass with a few other people. And uh, he consecrated so many hosts that we did actually go through the line twice. And he consecrated so much precious blood that we were going through the, the, the line of that twice. And the guy right in front of me consumed the rest. And I was so mad. I was like nine or 10 years old at the time. Oh, I see. But that's out of practical necessity, right? That's yes. Different. It's different. Yeah, diff- different right. practical necessity. So how much of a mass do you have to attend for it to count? Quote, oh, this, this is, I've heard so many different answers on this. Yeah, I've do you have to come for the gospel? gospel yeah. Like... I really don't know. I know that a priest cannot begin celebrating, I think, after the main celebrant has entered the altar, or enter the sanctuary, rather, or kiss the altar. There's a point at which a celebrating priest can't even join in. Well, that makes sense. You don't want yeah. people just yeah. walking right up. But yeah. but what about for a regular? I have no idea. Person, isn't like there's no there's no rule on it, right? Am I right about that, or is there a rule? I think it's like prudential judgment or something like that. It, it used to be the gospel, right? You had to attend to the gospel before the gospel, yeah. right? Now I think it's I think it depends on the circumstances, right? You're trying to get there. It's the last mass of the day, and you get a flat tire, and so you come in, you know, right after the gospel or whatever. Or if a hypothetical priest in our diocese begins 8 o'clock Mass at 7.55 every morning. That doesn't sound hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, hypothetically speaking. And your hypothetical interlocutor sometimes shows up a little bit late, meaning at 8 o'clock. And they're oh, already, for a daily and Mass. And they're already mid-gospel. They're already way and They're already behind. mid-gospel. So yeah, so that can be, that can be a real issue. Yeah. But, yeah, so finally, last question. Last question, because we're running out of time. If you could give one piece of advice to help make the Mass not boring, what piece of advice would you give to our listeners? How to get something out of the mass? How to how to really engage in it? Um, show up looking what to what you can give, not what you can receive. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, I would say learn the words, pay attention to the prayers, conform your whole body to the sacrifice that's happening in front of you. Worship with your whole body. It's hard to it's hard to zone out when you're doing that. Beautiful. What would you Beautiful. say, Father? I would say um, come to mass not not solely out of obligation. No. but because you deeply want to love the Lord. Hmm. It's about your intention entering into it. And you will get great, amazing graces. Amazing graces. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. Hope you le- hopefully you learned a thing or two about the Mass, and hopefully you grew an appreciation for the depths of the riches and the wisdom and just the amazing uh, nature of what the Mass is. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. <laughs>